Thank you so much, uh, Sister Joy. Um, praise the Lord, everyone. Good morning to you. We thank God so much for this morning and for his loving kindness um, and the grace he has given us to seek his face, to wait on him. I thank God, too, for the leadership of All Saints Cathedral. Um, first of all, for the continual uh, partnership and working relation that you've accorded intercessors for Uganda uh, over the years. And uh, specifically, we thank God for his guidance and uh, leadership in uh, prompting, encouraging, and causing us to uh, lay focus on the matter of witnessing uh, in this month of November. <clears throat> and so this subject of the call of... Uh, of um, the call to discipleship is so critical that we need to understand it uh, in the right context. So we thank God so much for the way he causes us. Uh, it's Paul who says he's the one who causes us to, to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So we thank him so much for the privilege. My name is Francis Nero, and uh, I serve with Intercessors for Uganda as National Coordinator. And uh, All Saints has always been... Uh, one of our homes and uh, I'm married. I have four uh, very lovely children, of course, married to only one wife. And uh, right now I'm with them in the car going to school, <laughs> taking them to school. You see, they are my first disciples. So as we talk about discipleship, uh, we cannot leave out children, um, our own families, but uh, we are going to take these scriptures and, and, and read through it. Um, so I am... Um, I am trained as an IT specialist. I, I will stop there for that. And I've been working with intercessors for Uganda, not in the field of IT. Of course, uh, the Lord uh, caused me to, 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 to change course. And uh, that was about eight years ago. He caused me to change course. So I'm not a practicing IT uh, person. I'm now fully in leadership servant leadership development and uh, and also management. So I thank God so much for the privilege to come to you this morning and join you in this fellowship. Um, allow me to turn off my video now so that I can be able to uh, concentrate on the direction we have to share. So um, the theme that... Um, I've been asked to address is the question, try to answer the question, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? This is a critical question in regards to our functioning as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, because we cannot function um, effectively. We cannot function uh, properly. We cannot function according to God's pattern without um, understanding the centrality of discipleship. And I do appreciate that in all ways, all of us are disciples. Um, all of us here are disciples, but the question is who's disciple? Uh, some of us, uh, the word disciple uh, comes from uh, the word discipline, actually. It comes from the word discipline. It has uh, uh, other ramifications. Um, at the root of it, sometimes it can actually mean a line of 
uh, profession that you you undertake. Um, um, all of you, I believe, have gone to school and uh, you you have certain line of career. Usually, they refer to those lines of careers as discipline. In other words, you've been discipled to think in a particular way. <clears throat> you've been discipled to follow a certain process, procedure of functionality in regards to that vocation, in regards to that vocation. So in a way, all of us are disciples. Even when you're at home, you're a disciple of your father or your parent. Um, some of us, uh, the, the, the quotations and the experiences that we most vividly remember are those experiences. You know, in the early days of our lives in the villages, I, I, I was privileged to grow up in the village in the early days of my life, the first about eight years of my life. And uh, those are the experiences I usually make reference to. And I begin to realize that my grandfather actually discipled me a great deal. There are certain words that he spoke. I still remember them now and I still uh, glean wisdom from. So um, all of us are disciples, but the question is to who? In this sense, uh, we are looking at Disciple, uh, disciples of Jesus. And the question is, are we his disciples? A disciple is a person who is disciplined in the ways of the master. A person who watches the master, who learns from the master, who receives from the master, uh, who, 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 yes, who receives from the master. Now it is Paul who wrote in Philippians. He said, the things you have seen me do the things you have heard me say the things you have received from me and the things you have learned from me four things you have seen me do them you have received from me you have heard me say you have learned from me then he says these do and the god of peace shall be with you he's actually talking to disciples but that kind of tone is a fatherly tone. He's saying, as a father, I want you to see the things I do. I want you to, I want you to hear the things I say. I want you to uh, receive the things I give you. I want you to learn the things from me. If you do this for, then you're going to be, uh, you're going to be at peace. The God of peace shall be with you. And that is a disciple. That is according to Paul. Now, many of us know uh, from scripture that uh, the, the, the gospel, the gospel is from Jesus' mouth because he is the original uh, owner. He is the word, the living word. He is the beginning of all things and the end and the sustainer of all things. And so um, Paul said that, and then Jesus also gives certain very important principles of of the process of making a disciple very important and uh, if i would compare or make preference i would encourage that we pick it from jesus mouth other than paul because paul is a is a commentary you know he he was fixing so many other problems in church and he wrote letters and corrected doctrinal issues he taught he rebuked he challenged and revealed certain things but when we pick it from Jesus, we get the real truth, the real truth, the real light. So Luke chapter 14 is the scriptures we are, we are looking at. Luke chapter 14 from verses 25 to 
35. And in this portion of scripture, let, let me read through and then I will give us four essential uh, aspects of the process of discipleship. At least discipleship to pattern ourselves with Jesus' uh, standard of discipleship. <clears throat> he says, verse 25, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yeah, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. This is a strong, strong statement. Verse 27, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now you notice he's using very strong words. You cannot be, you cannot be, you cannot be. Not you may not, not you, you shall not, but it is just not impossible. Uh, rather, it is just not possible. It is impossible to be my disciple. If we do not pay attention to these things. Verse 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient, and counteth not the, the cost, whether he have sufficient uh, to finish it? It's a question. 29. Less happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. As I walk through Kampala, I look at, uh, you know, unfinished, incomplete buildings, and I keep thinking, huh, we have not yet gotten it. Even as believers, there is seemingly a sense of, you know, there, there, there is a laxity with which we begin to do certain things and we fail to finish them. It is regarded as being a fool because by the time you started, you did not count the cost. And that is one of the critical components we must look at in the process of making a disciple and in the process of answering this question, whether or not we are disciples of Jesus. And there you can clearly see that if we are not the kinds who finish what we started, then we are not disciples. That's a hard one. Verse 31 says, Oh, what kind going to make war, sorry, or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Here we go with warfare. I'm from intercessors for Uganda and it is warfare, warfare. We talk so much about warfare, but we must be able to size up ourselves first. That a two or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassador and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple, another cannot bear. Then verse 34, uh, he highlights this, says, salt is good, but if the salt have lost his server, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the downhill, but men cast it out, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Brethren, these are the words of our master. These are the words of the master after whom we are supposed to be disciples. These are the words of the master whose discipline, whose ways of life, whose words we must learn, whose walk of life we must learn. 
whom we must receive from. These are the words of our master. So there are essentially four components. Number one from verse, 20, verse 26, it shows us prioritizing, priority in the process of discipleship, priority. And then I will highlight uh, the aspect of personal responsibility. And then I will highlight the issue of counting costs, counting costs. And then I'll look at sustainability, sustainability. So verse 26 tells us if any man come to me and has and hates not his mother and father and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yeah, and his own life also, he cannot. Whoever comes to me, if you are not willing to let go, if we, uh, let me not say if you, if we, because I'm also part of it, if we are not willing to let go our families, why does he regard family? Why does he mention family? Because principally, these are our dearest, our most treasured. These are our closest, our most intimate, our most valuable, you know, people around us. This is where our identity is pegged. This is where our value systems are built from family. And family, you know, is the, the, the basic unit of a society and indeed of a nation. If we do not um, reprioritize, if we do not focus on our master first, this is what he's saying. If we do not pay more attention to our master, and the process he subjects us to in making us his followers, in making us his disciples. This, brethren, is at a personal level. Is at a personal level. If we do not focus on him and subject ourselves to the process he takes, he wants to take us through to make us his followers, to make us his disciples, even to the extent of disregarding our lives then the question of whether or not we are his disciples still remains. In other words, in other words, our master is the source. He is the fountain of life. He is the source of life. He is our origin. He is our sustainer and sustainability. He is our protection our defense. He is our cover. He is our provision. He is our identity. He is the one from whom we derive the most sustainable value system. He is the one from whom we derive, you know, uh, identity, identity that can be passed on from one generation to the other. And so he says, if we have no willingness and in this scripture, it does not mean he wants us to forsake our families. No, it doesn't. But there has to be a willingness inside. If push comes to shove, like they say, if the worst comes to the worst, if I am put in the place where I have to choose, can I choose my master? Can I choose to die? Can I choose to give up myself? <laughs> and this is where Paul helps and explains in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercies, 
to offer your bodies to God as living sacrifices. And he says, this is your acceptable form of worship. This is your acceptable. In other words, to God, the most acceptable worship is not gathering on Sunday or gathering at a fellowship like this and lifting up our hands and singing nice, sweet uh, melodies to him. No. To God, the most acceptable is my life first. It is my life first that I put on the line for his cause, for his sake. Brethren, now, since this comes from our master's mouth, we can afford to disregard any kind of counsel from anybody else. He expects that we put our lives on the line. This means this process is not an, it's not an easy-go-lucky kind of process. It's not a walk in the park. This process is difficult. It is painful. It is hard to go through the process of the making of a disciple. But there must be willingness in us. We must be willing to even give up our lives. And he says, if we are not yet in that place, then we cannot be. This means, brethren, this means the large chunk of us who go to church, who call ourselves Christians, who even preach, we may even be pastors or national coordinator like me, or a reverend or a bishop. The vast majority of us are not disciples yet of Jesus Christ. Number two, verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This bearing of cross has to do with counting, rather, taking personal responsibility. Taking personal responsibility for your own problems, for your own mistakes, for your own inadequacies, for your own failures, for your own sins, without blaming my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my colleague at work, my pastor, my reverend, my bishop, the other brother or sister in ministry. No, I take, I must learn to take personal responsibility. And this then means I am well on my way to the process of becoming a disciple. I cannot afford, listen, I cannot afford to blame anybody except myself. In the walk of life, even if you know Brother Nero or whoever it is bewitched you or has ill intentions against you, we cannot blame them. We cannot afford to blame them. The focus must be on me and myself. How do I conduct myself in the midst of this situation? How do I handle myself? And how I will handle myself will determine whether or not I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Look at our master. He is on the cross, gasping for life. And he still found breath in him one of the very last breaths and the very last words he said, Father, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But, but Jesus, you're innocent. You were even tried, taken through the whole legal process of the day 
and three times he was blameless. He was without fault. And it was declared he was without fault three times. And yet they screamed, crucify this man. We cannot live with him. Do away with him. Get rid of, get rid of him. Kill him. Fire him from this job. They have investigated and proven you innocent. For example, in, in your workplace, but there are particular individuals, particular people, certain sister or brother who is always up against you and again and, and makes sure life is really tight for you. You know, that kind of person, what do you do? The way of our master, brethren, is forgive. I can tell you, this is not easy for me. It is not, and nobody is going to tell us it is easy. But that is what our master says. Forgive. And that is the place of taking responsibility. And not just forgive. Pray also for them. Jesus prayed. He said, these people are ignorant. They don't know what they're doing. That is the way of our master. Forgive. Forgive. Let go. Take personal responsibility and in that sense a disciple becomes an intercessor a disciple is an intercessor because they are able to step in for the ignorant who are doing stupid things and, and you see some of them even know <laughs> unfortunately some of them even know but that is not for you to judge it's not for me to judge it is for me to release, to let go. It is for me to take responsibility, to pray for them. And that is why the Bible tells us we must pray for everyone. And first of all, for those in authority, for those in leadership. Why? Because sometimes leaders make very stupid decisions. And you can clearly see. And you're thinking, are these guys blind? What is wrong with them? We fire them. We get them out of this place. We, we demonstrate. We do all these kinds of things. But that is not the way of our master. No, taking to the street cannot be the way of our master. The way of our master is these ones do not know the decisions they are taking. Lord, have mercy. Forgive them. That is the place of intercession. So a disciple is by default an intercessor. That is their place of responsibility now. I can tell you that in church, our institutional church, you know, Pentecostal this, Baptist this, Evangelical this, Church of Uganda, whichever, whatever we call church, you will realize that intercession is one of those ministries that are at the periphery of the events and activities of church. They are at the periphery, not so regarded. Why? Because we do not understand the process of making a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because our master was an intercessor. If we are his disciples, we will learn from him. We will take the things he has said. We will listen to what he is telling us. And follow. That is number two, taking personal responsibility. Number three. Number three, counting the cost. In taking personal responsibility, there are costs you might have to pay. You might have to lose the job. You might have to lose the friend or the sister. You might have to lose, you know, your credentials, your credibility, your, 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 you know, 
whatever you labored so much to earn through the years, your testimony. <laughs> I've had uh, us, I've had sisters, I've had brethren say, my friend, my testimony is at stake. I cannot sit back and watch that my testimony is being destroyed. Uh, brethren, those kinds of statements are not the ways of my, our master. In fact, we don't even have a testimony. Whatever we are is the Lord. If at all, there is anything to testify about. We do not anymore have names to make. We do not have any more names to defend or positions to defend or credentials to front. We do not. These are the costs we must count. And if we are not willing to lose our names, if we are not willing to get down and even allow our testimony, which we have built for so many years, to go down the drain for his sake, if we are not ready to count the cost or to lose everything, we are not yet in the process of making a disciple. So this, is, this scripture tells us, for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Can we subject ourselves to learn the process of counting costs for any engagement that we start? Can we subject ourselves to learning to lose if that is what it will take for the sake of the name of our master that we bear? Can we subject ourselves to that extent? If we can, then we can answer the question whether or not we are disciples of Jesus Christ because he lost everything. In fact, he told his disciples when he was choosing them to follow him. <laughs> he says, as you're coming, please understand that foxes have holes, but the air have nests, but the son of God has nowhere to rest his head. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere, nowhere to lay his head. In other words, as you choose to follow me, please understand there are actually no material profit. There are actually no material benefits. You may not even be able to afford a house to sleep in. Hey, Jesus, these are hard things. Very contrary to the popular gospels we have in our churches today. Come, God will bless you. And 90 plus percent of the reference of blessings are material to the extent that if I fail to build my house, if I don't have a house, if I don't have a home, if I don't drive a car, if I don't do this and the other, I am not blessed. That is our kind of theology. And brethren, that is wrong theology. Otherwise, our master would not have said, even the birds of the air, at least those have a nest to sleep in. At least the 
the, 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 the foxes have holes where they can live. But the son of man has nowhere to rest his feet. In other words, I'm not going to reward you materially because of what you're doing necessarily. He said, I cannot guarantee you that one. If it does not happen, it does not mean I have not blessed you. It does not mean I am not working with you. It does not mean you are not my disciple. No. If the halls, the houses where you stay, the places of comfort and conveniences, if they do not work out, do not abandon me. Do not forsake my way. Keep there. Keep there. Because it might not work out the way we plan. But keep there. That is the process of making a disciple. You know, I keep looking at Jesus. I'm thinking, okay, all right. It is Paul who helped us understand that uh, he became poor for our sakes. But you see, Paul is a narrative. Paul is a, is, is a, is a, is a commentary. Now, it is him who is saying that. It is the master. Can we mature to the level where we are divorced from material things, where we are divorced from relating God's blessing, from relating God's working in us and through us to material things? Can we mature to that level? If so, then we are in the way of being his disciples. That means materials or no materials, we will give ourselves and serve him in his intent. And that is what God wants. Count the cost. Count the cost. In conclusion, sustainability. Sustainability. So verse 34, he says salt is good. <laughs> but if the salt have lost his sever or lost its saltiness, wherewith shall it be seasoned? How can it be made salty again? It is Paul who helps us understand that seasoning, we have to be seasoned with salt in all seasons, in all times, and be ready to preach the kingdom. Be ready to preach the gospel of the kingdom. What is salt? Salt is a preservative. If you want something to stay longer, you use salt. This is sustainability. And what is salt? Salt is the word of God, brethren. Salt is the word of God. And it is Jesus who called us the salt. Of what? I wish we were in a physical meeting. Salt of what? The earth. What is earth? Earth is both physical and the living one. This one that has the breath of God. You, 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 yourself, myself. This is earth. This is a living earth only because of the breath of God. And so he says, salt of the earth, salt of the earth. Why does he specifically mention salt here and not light? Because in another place he says, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. But here he talks about salt only. He wants our lives to be preserved. For as long as his redemptive purpose for as long as his intent for our existence on the earth here is not yet complete. He wants our lives preserved from decay, from moral degeneration. He wants our lives preserved. So it is you and I as his disciples or as those in the process of becoming disciples to learn to apply salt 
for preservation. You notice there is corruption, decay, rottenness everywhere. In fact, we learn rottenness from our homes. I'm sure many of you remember. Um, now your parents, some of you perhaps are parents, but when you were a child, you remember how that your parents pulled your ears uh, for, for not listening. You remember how that you were punished for stealing sugar. You know, you, you stole sugar or stole milk or something. And they come, your parent comes back and asks you, uh, who took this? Who took the sugar? Who took the this and the other? And for children, sugar is particularly <laughs> tempting, <laughs> especially for us who grew up in the village. Those were things that were very hard to come by. So <laughs> when you come by it, you want to pick and, and have a test on it. Sugar. And you will deny vehemently, put on a straight face and say, no, I have not touched sugar. And yet there are some crystals on your chin. So the, 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 <laughs> the sin catches up with you and you're punished. Unfortunately, some of us did not learn the lessons then. It translates from stealing sugar to stealing public money, to stealing church money. There is a project you're doing as church and uh, you, you have no morals to even think that this is something wrong. Now, a person who is a disciple continually applying the word of God, which is salt, he is preserved from such acts, such vices in society. The reason why our nations perish, the reason, the, 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 the reason why our nations are going down the drain regarding corruption is simply because we did not learn the lesson from home. It has nothing even to do with school. In fact, school even amplifies it because some of you are here and you gain positions of leadership or you are in certain offices or you do certain work. But if you examine your process, in the years past, there are some places you access through back doors. There are some jobs you did not enter there by merit. They threw out those who had merit and they gave you to enter there. And you said it was God who made a way. Ha, 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 ha. God is not corrupt. God is salt. God is salt. So, this sustainability is critically important in our functioning as disciples. Continually applying the salt, continually eating. Actually, it is Jeremiah chapter uh, 16 and verse 15. He says, when I found your word, when your words were found, I ate it for it was sweet to my test for you are my God, O Lord. The word of God, which is salt, should provide the much needed taste in this work of discipleship, in this work as a witness of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the word of God that enables us to provide the test, to set the standard for life, for society, for the workplace. If you're working with some people who are crooked, who struggle in being straight and they sign certain things that you know that they are not supposed to sign and they'll bring it to you because you, you're one of the signatories or you're one of those who should approve and they'll tell you, look, we, we are Ugandans. We're in Uganda. These things, yeah, they are normal. It is as if it is part of procedure 
you know, just, just agree to this. It won't cost you anything. Nobody will know. Just agree to this. And we go ahead and agree. In that sense, we are losing the saltiness. That is not a disciple. That is not a disciple. A disciple maintains the position. A disciple maintains the standard. Even if they are going to be fired from the work, a disciple maintains the position. It is not right. It is wrong. I will not do it. And that is it. A disciple is salt, which must not lose its seasoning. So if we examined ourselves in our lives, from home, to work, to church, are there places where we really are not able to maintain the standard? And we have compromised, quote-unquote, for the sake of others, quote-unquote, for the sake of accommodating other people. You know, you know, this and the other. And so, we compromise. That is where we must come back to our master and bring confession for our sins, of compromise for our sins, of losing the saltiness, of failure to maintain the standard. Because disciples maintain standards. Disciples maintain standards. So the question is, are you a disciple? of Jesus Christ. Brethren, I can answer for myself. I am still work in progress. I do not know about you. I'm still work in progress. May the Lord help us to continue to work at this intentionally, deliberately doing what? Prioritizing the Lord himself, number one. Number two, taking personal responsibility for anything that goes wrong whether in our lives or in society or in church. I am the problem. I am the one who should have mitigated that problem. Number three, counting the cost of this life, of this walk of salvation, of this walk of faith. Count the cost before we engage in an assignment, before we take on a mandate. Count the cost. Can we maintain the saltiness in the process? Number four, sustainability. A disciple must maintain the standard. A disciple must stay the course. A disciple cannot bend left or to the right. A disciple sets his face ahead of him, even if it's going to cost his life, his position, his, his, his status. A disciple maintains the standard. Thank you so much. The Lord bless you. Over to you, uh, moderator. Thank you so much, our brother. We, we bless the Lord for you this morning. Let us pray for you. Father God, we appreciate you for you brought your servant timely in this season, Lord, that we are calling on your name to make us true after your own true heart, our Father. So we ask, Heavenly Father, that you continue to refresh him. We thank you, Lord, for the word that has come in timely. We ask you, Lord, to continue to guide us, to guide him, even bless his ministry, our Lord, bless his family, refresh him and increase him, keep him pointed to you alone. Master level every mountain. Lord, I pray that he will continue to consult you in every detail of his life and his ministry and family. So cover him protect him, hide him behind your cross for your own namesake, our Father and our God. We appreciate you. 
in the same spirit, we would like to appreciate you, Lord God, our Father, for giving the word to us this morning. It has come to us um, in boldness, in clarity. So, Father, we thank you. Our speaker has reminded us, are you a disciple, a true disciple after God's own true heart? Father, forgive us where we've been discipling elsewhere not in your line, my Lord and my King. So we ask you to propel us this morning uh, to continue serving you, to continue making your own disciples for you alone. And the speaker reminded us through your word that it starts with discipline. It starts with discipline, personal discipline, to be able to, to, be, able to be guided by you, personal relationship through you. So Father, we pray that Lord, we'll walk in a manner worthy of your calling, my Lord, that we will know why you've called us and that you will discipline us, Lord, not to go astray, discipline our bodies, discipline our character, discipline us, Lord, in every way that we may follow your direction. Father God, in the same spirit, he reminded us that in order for us to receive from Christ, we must sit at his feast, we must receive from him, we must apply that which we have learned from him. Lord, we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, to teach us, to teach us to be able to apply that which we have learned from you and to be able to remain in you and to be able to go out and draw souls for you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. He reminded us to be focused. The speaker reminded us to be focused to, prior, to, to prioritize Christ uh, over the family. He mentioned that while family is important, we must pay more attention to our master. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we ask you, O oh Lord, to be able to grant us knowledge and wisdom to balance the responsibility of the family, the responsibility of the work where you've placed us Above this, Lord, we ask that we will pay more attention to you because you are our master. You are our source. We are reminded of, Matthew, of, of Jesus in Matthew 12, where his brothers and, and his mother came to call him and his brother. But he asked them, he told them that this, the people he was witnessing to, is my family. So we pray, oh God, that we will prioritize you, that you will be our number one family, that we'll be able to find grace also for the family, that we will not spend time and everything, oh God, on our nuclear family, but that, Lord, you will multiply us to be able to, to, be, to multiply others, Lord, in your own name's sake. Master, we continue to pray. He reminded us this morning that the process of making disciples is not easy, but we must keep there. Father, give us grace to keep there because you have called us. In Isaiah 6, you're telling us, whom should I send to my people? Father, we are, we are saying that we are available. So we are saying, Heavenly Father, that we are available for you, that you use us. The speaker reminded us that it is not a bed of roses, that out there we shall incur opposition. There is no material benefit. That it is, it is sacrifice out there. 
but we must keep in Christ because he's the one who called us, he's the one who is sustaining us. So, Father, we pray that, God, you give us strength amidst the challenge we will face, amidst the stone heart that we will, we will face. Father, give us grace and give us the timely word to be able to share with these people. Grant us grace not to fear. Grant us your Holy Spirit, God, to go ahead to make disciples for you, O Lord, to witness for you in the mighty name of Jesus. The speaker reminded us that the church is not yet there. Yes, we are not yet there as witnesses. Um, some uh, people walk into church in and out without being involved in ministry. So we pray this morning, Lord, that the church will embrace the call of discipleship, that the people will not just walk in and out of the sanctuary, just being pure warmers, but that we will be involved in all ministry, the youth, intercession, mission, all this ministry, Lord, they need you, they need people. So Father, bring your people, prompt your people from church to be able to be involved, to make a disciple for you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. The speaker reminded us that uh, a discipler must take up the position, the responsibility to pray. So we pray, we pray for our nation. We pray for the church leaders. We pray for, for, for the family leaders, Lord, that Lord, you will draw attention to you, to you yourself, oh God, you alone will visit them. We also pray that in the process of making disciples, Lord, you'll make us true intercessors, that we will, you will have open spiritual eyes to pray for everyone to hear your voice. May we take it upon ourselves as intercessors to pray without ceasing, to pray because it's prayer that is in this nation. Pray for the family, pray for the neighbors, pray for the, for the church, pray for, for the government leaders, because Lord, there is a gap, a gap of not knowing you, a gap of those who have not confessed to you, Lord. So we pray for them day and night. May you give us grace to pray. Yes, the cost of discipleship, the cost of discipleship amid this challenge, Father, may you, we remain in you. May we not focus on the hardship that we shall incur. Yes, may we not focus on, on, on minor things or may we not grumble, may we not complain, Lord. Clothe us, make us your true soldiers, Lord. Dress us up in your full armor to serve you. And lastly, the, the, the speaker reminded us that we must, we must be the soul. Sustainability, sustain us, Lord. May we maintain the position in Christ. May we maintain the position of he who called us. Lord, we pray against the spirit of a compromise. We pray against the spirit of wavering. We pray against the spirit of, of double standards. Lord, may we stand for truth. May we maintain your position of truth. May we be the light in those offices. May we be the light there in the projects where we serve. May we maintain truth and may people around us see your light in us, Lord, this morning, every day of our lives. 
So we ask you, O God, to give us grace to apply your word, to remain in your word and to apply it in every situation that, Lord, we will be, be sustained in you, that, Lord, we will, be, you will preserve us amidst the decay of the world. Father, we bless you and we ask that, Lord, you grant us the, spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 35, that as we go out into the world, that, Lord, we will bear your fruit of peace, of love, of joy, of self-control and the like, oh God, as we continue to minister, to be your witnesses, oh God. So we bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have believed and prayed. Amen and amen.